Today, as we gather, we celebrate the feast, of course, of the Transfiguration. It's one of the few feast days that actually trumps Sundays when it falls on, uh, on a Sunday, and especially during ordinary time. And uh, that is because of its prominence and uh, what that feast represents. And of course, uh, the Transfiguration re represents so much more than just uh, even what the, the face of the scriptures seem to, uh, seem to record, and that's pretty much a lot. But first, uh, I want to give a little, uh, perhaps, history. Why do we celebrate the Feast of the Transfiguration at this time of the year? And because we don't have any specific dates or whatever, but according to uh, the Church Fathers, uh, there's the, the connection between, uh, and we hear that, uh, St. Peter is saying, let us make three tents, and the feast, the Jewish feast of booths or tabernacles, sometimes it's called, uh, the, the precursor, of course, of our tabernacle, the dwelling place of, of our Lord. But uh, the feast of booths were, was a harvest festival. It was uh, celebrated in the middle of the harvest, and uh, the Jewish people were commanded by God to build tents in the fields or if they lived in the city on the rooftops and even yet today in, in uh, observant areas you can uh, on the during the week of the Feast of Booths uh, you can drive by and you'll see people kind of living on their, their rooftops uh, especially in Israel. The Feast, of, Feast transfers from sometime of mid-August to mid or early October I should say uh, in fact, next year it's uh, like the 5th of October, if I remember right, something like that, fairly early in October, which is why the pilgrimage that we're leading is in September too, to avoid, because everything shuts down for the Feast of Yom Kippur and, and the Feast of Booths, which are celebrated pretty close together. Uh, like I said, it's a harvest festival, and so uh, even those that live in town, uh, by living in their that tent, eating in the tent, uh, the kids love it, but uh, maybe not so much the adults, but the, uh, there's a reminder that they are very much connected to the land and how their fathers uh, and mothers in the, uh, in the Exodus lived for 40 years in tents. And when they came into the land with gratitude to receive that first harvest and to live that harvest afterward. A pious tradition and custom developed that they would, uh, when they were having their meals in their tents, they would set a place left unfulfilled, unfilled for Elijah. And so there was this awareness that Elijah might come, might stop in. And so with all of that in the background, is it any wonder that if, if it was near the Feast of Booths that St. Peter would say, ha, ah, here, here it is. Let us build three tents. Because he understood something more. He understood that this was a time of fulfillment, that God was bringing to harvest everything. First, uh, too, we need to point out the transfiguration. So often we might get it that he was transformed, transfigured, that somehow he changed and he became something he was not. Uh, I've shared the story in way too much, but one of the, uh, one of the uh, practice homilies, uh, as he was preaching, he was talking about uh, Philippians, though he was in the form of God, and he, he shared in a way that, that it wouldn't have been God. That, that isn't what the transfiguration is, that Jesus revealed something that he was not, or he let something shine. No, he revealed who he was, something that was hidden behind or hidden by humans, his human flesh, but revealed now in the transfiguration 
of who he was, that he was God made man, and that glory of his, his countenance shining upon them, that they suddenly see this. They suddenly understand, and, and St. Matthew uh, struggles with his face, shone like the sun, his clothes became as light, as white as light itself. That there's, he's struggling with this, this revelation, and that's what this transfiguration is. But not only that, but who he is talking to. He's talking to Moses and Elijah, and it's fitting that it would be these two for first to, to point out Moses, uh, at the end of his life, uh, he was given a vision of the promised land, but was not allowed to enter into it. And, and the tradition is because he disobeyed God by striking the rock at, um, at uh, Massa twice. He was told to, to strike the rock with his, with his staff, and he didn't really trust, and he struck it twice. And because of that, he was forbidden. But according to the text, that God took him and buried him. And to this day, the text says, no one knows where he's buried, but other people uh, have said that he was taken to heaven, assumed into heaven, body and soul. And then we have Elijah. Elijah was, uh, at the end of his life, was told that it was his time. He and Elisha, his follower, went across the Jordan, and Elijah was taken from this earth, body and soul, in a flaming chariot. Body and soul, both in heaven. Hmm. This is interesting. And then we have, of course, Jesus in his ascension, uh, ascends to heaven, body and soul, and the Blessed Mother, whose feast, uh, that feast of the Assumption, we celebrate next Tuesday, of course. And so in, in all of this, that there's, there's connection upon connection, but even more so, if that's not enough, Moses, of course, was the one through whom God had given the law. That uh, Moses spent 40 days on that holy mountain. We've been uh, reading from that, that passage this, these last two weeks, actually, uh, uh, of Moses uh, receiving the law and leading them into, uh, in the desert and all this. That Moses was the one who proclaimed that law to the people. But he left that work undone, as said, he did not enter into the promised land. Rather, it was Joshua who led them into the promised land. And then there is Elijah, the one who really tried to, uh, as a prophet, one who spoke for God, which is what a prophet means. It's not always, prophet isn't always somebody who tells the future or, or something like that, but rather one who speaks on behalf of. Elijah's main mission was to get the people to have the law of God written on their hearts, to have their hearts renewed and to be restored. But even then, his work was left unfinished and fell to Elisha. Elisha, his follower. Elisha, who received a double portion of his spirit when he was assumed to heaven. And we might miss it, but Joshua and Elisha in Hebrew mean the same thing. It means God saves. In fact, the name of Jesus in Hebrew is Joshua. Joshua, God saves. That Jesus is the fulfillment of Moses and Elijah. In fact, in St. Luke's Gospel, what they are conversing about in the Transfiguration is about his Passover, how he was going to accomplish everything, how he was going to fulfill everything. And of course, his Passover is 
the cross. And it gives us, or gives the apostles, Peter, James, and John, this foretaste, this prophecy of the future, of what was going to happen. That Jesus Christ was going to suffer on the cross and he was going to die. And they didn't quite understand, and even here we have at the end, don't tell anyone the vision until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. And they didn't quite understand what that meant, and the other Gospels record that. They didn't understand what that meant, and they pondered what that meant. And they pondered and pondered and pondered. In fact, in today's second reading, we have St. Peter saying, we, were, we are not following cleverly devised myths Despite what some anti-Catholics or anti-Christians would say, this, this religion that we follow is not cleverly devised. It's revealed by God the Father, by Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit confirmed time and again and again, not cleverly devised, not made up, but rather revealed. And how did, why does he say that? Because we were there on that holy mountain, he tells us. We heard that unique declaration, this is my, my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. We heard it. We saw his countenance. We saw it. You have to wonder what the rest of St. Peter's life was like. Was he able to return after betraying our Lord, after hearing of our Lord's crucifixion, after hearing of our Lord's resurrection, of returning and saying, I should have known all along because I glimpsed his glory in the transfiguration. I saw that he was more than something more than just a man, but that rather he was God-made man. And I saw that glory. Why didn't I stay with him? Or maybe that that knowledge of what he witnessed was what gave St. John the courage to stay at the foot of the cross with the Blessed Mother. That he, knowing that this cross, this scandal that that he was witnessing, that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the second person in the Trinity, God-made man, God who cannot die, dying on the cross, How can that be? But knowing that God reveals himself, that Jesus Christ is God made man, and that while he was dying, there was going to be resurrection too. Is that what gave St. John the courage to stand at the foot of the cross? Is that what gave St. John the courage to live the rest of his life out and, and writing the Gospels, his Gospel, and writing the, the, the book of Revelation and his, his three letters, of forming a community to follow Jesus Christ, of living his life and enduring a would-be martyrdom, boiling oil of all things? I believe it is. His witness of the transfiguration. Now, St. James, too, the brother of St. John? Was it his witness of the transfiguration that gave him the courage to return to the Lord even though he hid at the crucifixion? Was it the transfiguration and the resurrection that inspired him to go to the ends of the earth to proclaim the good news? Was it that witness of the transfiguration that helped him endure his own martyrdom, beheading by a sword? The first of the apostles, by the way. I find it interesting. St. James, the first of the apostles to be martyred. St. John, the only of the apostles not to be martyred, but the last to die. Brothers. But it is the, the transfiguration. And St. Peter cries out with, with, when, when he realizes all that's going on, Lord, it is good that we are here. Let us stay. Let us build three tents. Hence the Feast of Booths connection. And of course, as soon as it comes, it goes. 
This is the nature of these revelations of God, that they're only brief in this life. And we go from moment, perhaps, to moment, having this brief revelation of who God is for us, and yet how important it is. Perhaps like St. Peter, that this day we've had that revelation of God, that we allow it to inspire us, to move us to, to action, to move us to, with courage to act in our world that, that needs this revelation too. And we go from revelation to revelation, waiting for the full fulfillment. What they witnessed that day on Mount Tabor, the Mount of Transfiguration, what they witnessed only in glimpsing, only in the briefest of moments, as long as it might have lasted, they enjoy now for all eternity. Because Christ is revealed as the risen one. Christ is revealed as God made man. And the same is true for us. We weren't there with him, on the, with uh, Peter, James, and John on that holy mountain. We weren't there uh, to witness that uh, countenance being shining forth. But on the witness of our first pope, St. Peter, we have a, a, something authentic. We know we have something authentic. That we can say with him, we're not following cleverly devised myths. That this, you know, is giving St. Peter and St. James and St. John and, and uh, actually all the apostles way too much credit. If this is cleverly devised myths, it's from the bowels of hell itself. It is not cleverly devised myths, but rather God making himself known to us. God revealing himself to us. God continuing to reveal himself to us. That as we gather this day, we have authority and we know our faith is authentic because of the witness of the transfiguration. Even, even more important, because it prefigures and foreshadows the resurrection and it foreshadows our own resurrection, our own God willing eternity in heaven, to see God face to face for all eternity, to hear God's voice crying out, this is my beloved son, with whom I am well pleased. We do that only when we listen to him.